0: Thank you.
1: Welcome to this edition of the Voices of Freedom podcast. The Voices of Freedom is a division of the Americans in Wartime Experience, and our mission is to honor, educate, and inspire. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, For first-time listeners, uh, I appreciate you finding us. For those of you that have been here before, thank you for coming back. It's always an honor to have you uh, listen to our our podcast, uh, and um, we really appreciate that. If you are a first time listener, I want to give you a quick introduction to what the Voices of Freedom uh, are, what we do here. Uh, We are a division of the Americans in Wartime Experience. And like I said, our goal is to honor, educate, and inspire. Who are we honoring? We are honoring those Americans who served during wartime, those Americans who put their life on the line those Americans who sacrificed, uh, be it um, blood, sweat, and tears, or um, whatever sacrifice that they made um, to this great nation to the cause of freedom. Uh, we want to educate. Who are we educating? We're educating those uh, future generations, um, those who uh, have a need or have a desire to learn more about what are uh, Americans, uh, again, both military and civilians, what, what they have done uh, for the cause of freedom, uh, the experiences that they had, uh, what they saw, what they witnessed, what they experienced. Um, and it is uh, also a way to inspire these future generations, inspire them to service, inspire them to be part of something bigger than they are inspire them to always fight for freedom because freedom is always worth fighting for. So at the Voices of Freedom, we record the oral histories of Americans, again, both military veterans, those that have served on the front lines, those have put themselves in harm's way. Uh, We also interview Americans uh, who did that as civilians. So We have lots of interviews with first responders on September 11th, uh, both on the fire side and the police side, uh, as well as some civilians that were actually there, uh, both at the Pentagon and uh, the Twin Towers. We have interviewed those that have sacrificed in other ways, uh, Rosie the Riveters, for instance, who when their country called all the men to... Go to war. They stepped up and filled in the spots that were traditionally occupied by men in the maintenance fields. For instance, building aircraft, getting them ready. Uh, women uh, were instrumental in ferrying those aircraft overseas. Uh, women were instrumental in taking positions here in this country on military bases uh, that were generally occupied by men. But of course, those men were called to fight. So. Um, these women took uh, took those positions and they excelled in them. So we interview a wide range uh, of people, of individuals who, again, are eyewitnesses to history, and it is through their words, uh, their experiences, that we tell the story uh, of Americans in wartime. So today's interview is with... Elizabeth Lewis. This was conducted back in May of 2016. Uh, Elizabeth has a very fascinating story. She was an Army surgical nurse that served in both the European and Pacific theaters of operation aboard a hospital ship, uh, and the name of that ship was the Emily Weeder. Uh, and Emily was a Army nurse who was actually killed. Uh, the first Army nurse that was actually killed. Uh, as a direct result of enemy combat. So, uh, right after, uh, in fact, not right after, but on the very day of Pearl Harbor, uh, Elizabeth tells the story of sitting at at the dinner table. Her father had turned on the the radio on on, uh, Sunday after church, and they heard the reports of the bombing at Pearl Harbor, and Elizabeth and her brothers decided at that very moment that they were going to serve, uh, and they did just that. Um so Elizabeth went and she enlisted into the army and she was inducted in West Virginia and then sent to Fort Hamilton in New York for some training and then off to Fort Dix in New Jersey where she learned how to shoot uh don a gas mask and do other uh other things that were necessary uh for those that are training to go to war. Uh in August of 1943 she would leave aboard the hospital ship Emily Weeder on her way to the European theater. Um, and she says that the trip across the Atlantic was fairly uh, fairly easy. Uh, there was no, no, uh, no excitement along the way, but there was a lot of anticipation about what was happening. And the reason that uh, you hear a lot of stories about uh, ships that were being harassed crossing the Atlantic, they were on a hospital ship, of course, and they were protected by the Geneva Convention. So they were not harassed like some other transport ships would have been that crossed the Atlantic. Um, the Emily Weeder had a complement of 120 doctors, nurses, dentists, and chaplains, as well as an additional 300 enlisted men, and they were prepared and equipped to so- to care for uh, up to a thousand patients. Uh, and they made their way from New York to uh, Sicily, where they anchored offshore. Uh, once they reached that thousand uh, uh, capacity, thousand patient capacity, they returned to the United States uh, with those patients to get them care. Uh, after coming home, she was here for a few months, and then off she went yet again. This time to the Pacific Theater, where she would hop uh, across different islands and uh, and treat uh, wounded there. She said that uh, the wounds were far different when she got to the Pacific. Uh, They were more as a result of hand-to-hand combat than they were uh, wounds from uh, small arms fire, like they uh, like they would have treated in the uh, European Pacific, or I'm sorry, the European theater of operation. Um, She told us that she had contact with between two and three hundred patients a day. And that is an enormous amount of um, injured and wounded. And despite the high volume, the, the, moral, the morale was pretty high um, thanks to the good food that the Navy brought over to them. Um, Elizabeth says that she would see more uh, in her time. She was in, in the Army for three years. She would see more during that time. Then she saw the rest of her career as a nurse um, when she got home and became a civilian. So rather than hear from me what Elizabeth said, let's hear it directly from her. So without further ado, I give you the interview of Elizabeth Lewis. This is Dennis Gill with the Americans Wartime Museum. The date is 25 May 2016, and I am with Elizabeth Lewis at American Legion Post 10 in Manassas, Virginia. Ma'am, if you could tell me your name and where you were born.
2: I'm Elizabeth Lewis. I was born in Fairmont, West Virginia.
1: And what war did you participate in?
2: World War II. World War
1: II. And what branch of the service were you in?
2: I was an Army nurse on a hospital ship, Emily Waiter. Okay.
1: Uh, did you have any other members of your family that were in the, in the military, either Pastor
2: or I had um, one brother that was in the Navy okay. in World War II, and okay. another brother that was Air Force in Korean War. The Korean War,
1: okay. Now, were you in the were you in the Army prior to the war?
2: No, I was not.
1: You, you weren't. What, what, what would you do prior to the war?
2: I just finished nursing training. Been out one year, okay. And war was declared.
1: Okay, so, so you I... were going to planning to be a nurse before?
2: Oh yes. The war. Oh yes. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Now. Pearl Harbor was the beginning of World War II, do you right. recall where you were and, and yes. what you were thinking when you heard about Pearl Harbor?
2: Um, my family had just come from church, we just had dinner, okay. and my father turned on the radio and that was it. So you heard about it on the radio? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, how old
1: would you have been, roughly? I was uh,
2: 22. 22. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, do you have any thoughts o- about it? Did and you me- even know where Pearl Harbor was?
2: Oh, certainly! Okay. <laughs> Immediately, okay. my brothers and I—that was our goal—to go in. To go in as soon as you heard about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. And how how soon afterwards did you enlist? It took a
2: little while to get the paperwork done. Okay. I went to White Sulphur Spring, in West Virginia. That's where I was inducted. Okay. And they sent me right to um, Fort Hamilton, New York. And that was a lovely post. It really was. Right and um, I served there about four months and then they sent me to Dix, Fort Dix in New Jersey okay. for um, extensive training, a boarding ship, banding ship, we went through the gas chamber, learned to shoot, um, all those things that entailed going to war and assigned to the hospital ship.
1: Okay. now re- rewind just a quick second, did you have when you decided that you were going to enlist after Pearl Harbor, did you know what branch of the service you were going to go in, or? Did I wanted to the army. You wanted to go to the army. Yes. Mm-hmm, okay, so you mm-hmm. talk to the army and says I'm a nurse. And yes. Yes. And
2: that's mm-hmm, how that went. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right, So you get your training. Um, you're already a nurse, so you don't need any of that kind of training. That's right. so you got your military training. Um,
2: uh, in Hamilton, Hamilton and Port Dex. Dex.
1: And then, do you, when did you when did you deploy overseas?
2: Uh, it was. Um, August 43. August
1: 43. Mm-hmm. Okay. And were you on, a sh- were you on the, the ship that you served on? Is that the ship that you were traveling yes, yes. Yes. And where did you leave from? New York. New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you headed where? Staten Island. Yeah. Staten Island.
2: Went right to the European. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: What were your thoughts as you were leaving the United States as you were going
2: through the harbor? Anxious to get Anxious. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we had an easy trip over. The only thing we had trouble with was mines in the water and came into Sicily and uh, the ship was big. We carried 1,000 patients and uh, we had a complement of 120 nurses, doctors, dentists, uh, chaplains and 300 enlisted men that were trained so we were well supplied. And, uh, but as I said, we were too big to get into shore. We'd um, send barges out and pick up the wounded. And they'd bring us bring them back. And, uh, of course, I was a surgical nurse, so that's what I did. Okay. And took care of them until we could get them stabilized. Right. Until we got a ship full, which took a while, really. And then we came come back to the States. I only made one trip to Europe. And from then on, when they took us to the Pacific.
1: Okay. H- what, what was the name of the ship that you were on? The,
2: the Emily Weeder. She Emily was Weter. the first Army nurse killed. Okay. It's name.
1: So that's the ship you left New York from the, ones right, at the European right. theater. Mm-hmm. H- how long did it take you to get over there?
2: I, I don't remember that. Y-
1: you know, you, were, you went into the Mediterranean to, to, right. uh, to Italy. Right, right. You were escorted, I assume. You just no, no, just just hosp- by yourself. Yes.
2: We were supposed to be protected by the Geneva Convention. Okay. and you
1: had no issues getting there? No, no. That's you can remember. No, we
2: were just cautious, of cautious course. Cautious, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So you get there, and you're offshore, um, and then they bring the wounded in via, via barge. Right. How many could your ship handle at a time?
2: Well, as I said, we had a capacity for 1,000. A 1,000. A mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And, and you would... Were some of those men treated and then sent back, or yes. were they all pretty serious when they got to you? Both. Both? hmm
2: We had a lot of uh, burns okay. in the European uh, theater. And, uh, well, just a lot of um, amputees, that sort of thing. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Were, your, were the Were the wounded, were, were they predominantly from one branch of the service, were they Army Air Corps, were they— Everything. Em- they were everything. Everything. In mm-hmm. uh, all branches of the service? That's right.
2: Okay.
1: So you'd bring—you'd get a thousand men on your ship and then you would transport them back—
2: To the United to States. To the United States uh-huh. and, mm-hmm.
1: and back to New York?
2: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. As I said, we only made one trip back from Europe and they sent us immediately to the Pacific. You and recall- that's a whole different ballgame.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you recall how many, how many ships like yours there would have been, in your in the area that you, you were very few, very few. were?
2: Very few, very few. There were very few.
1: It doesn't seem like a thousand. Oh no, no, no. We
2: about twelve, really. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Marigold was our sis- sister ship, and we were supplied through the you know battleships for supplies and food and things like right. that.
1: Now, when you get over there, how, how how soon, once you get there, do you start treating wounded? Is it immediately? Immediately.
2: Immediately. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nurses had a lot of responsibility.
1: Right. You, do you recall the first time you, you actually started receiving casualties? Do you recall that? Was it chaotic? Oh, yeah. Was it orderly? Orderly, really.
2: One? Yes, uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And how did that typically work? Were they they're treated somewhere prior to getting to you. No. At all. No.
2: No, no. Mm-hmm. No, they were just shot down and um, put on the barges and you know, brought them out until they were all evacuated. Okay.
1: How far off land do you, do you were, were you guys anchored, can you remember roughly?
2: Was I don't a know. A long
1: trip in the barge. Or?
2: No, not really. Not
1: Mm-mm. really. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. And you could well, you guys you guys are equipped to handle anything right pretty, right pretty much right
2: mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. we had we had good doctors but there was not that many and not that many of nurses really that's where our corps men came in we'd tell them what to do and they were very proficient really right mm-hmm.
1: so, so you have was everybody on your ship army or any Navy personnel or, or anything like that or was it all army?
2: All army. All mm-hmm. army. Mm-hmm. the other
1: branches have ships like yours? Does oh the yes. Army have that responsibility?
2: No. Army, Navy.
1: They had the Navy had ships yeah. as well, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. ships
2: mm-hmm. as
1: well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So y- when you're when you were in Europe y- you were near Italy the whole time. Right. Italy, France, right. that area. Right. right.
2: The mm-hmm.
1: whole time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you get 1,000 patients and you come home. Right. How long are you home?
2: About two months.
1: About two months. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. What, what, what are you doing during those two months?
2: Fixing supplies, more training. More training. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Voices of Freedom podcast. The Voices of Freedom is a division of the Americans in Wartime Experience, a 501c3 dedicated to honoring, educating, and inspiring. The mission of the Voices of Freedom is to record and preserve the wartime oral histories of Americans, both civilian and military. If you'd like to learn more or to donate to our project, please visit our website at www.americansinwartime.org. What what, what are you doing during those two months?
2: Fixing supplies, more training. More training? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And then you deploy again. From there, and you deploy where? Where did you go after that when you came back home and then you left?
2: Went right to the Pacific, yeah.
1: Were you on a different ship? Nope. Same one. Same ship. Like,
2: same ship. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And you left from New York?
2: Right. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And where do you go in the Pacific? Where did you head? Where did you go?
2: We went from island to island, really. Okay. And that was, we had a lot harder time there. The uh, climate, and the Japanese were ruthless. They would stop our ship, which they were not supposed to, right. and come in and, um, you know, examine, see what we had on board. And they did um, sink one of the ships, fairly closest, hospital ship. A hospital ship? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's 12 nurses drowned then. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you so you're cruising in the Pacific, and, 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 the, and the Japanese are basically... They boarding your ship because they didn't right, trust you. Right, that You were just there.
2: Their, their subs were always around us. Okay,
1: keeping an eye on you. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you
2: and the men were a lot worse condition in the Pacific than they were in Europe because of the climate and um, principally, right. Okay. And we had a lot more abdominal wounds in the in the Pacific than we did in Europe. And we'd, um, when we'd get quite a few on ship, I can't tell you how many. We'd go to Clark Air Force Base and uh, the unload them. Yeah, yeah, in the Philippines, and then they'd fly the critical ones back. And we waited until which we only came back once a year then.
1: Okay, so unlike in the, in the European theater, where you when your ship was fully loaded, you came home. You didn't do that in Pacific no, theater. No, no, no. So you would treat the men, and then they would. Be transported back via right. the uh-huh. air. Uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. No, why? Why was the why were the injuries different? You said they had abdominal yes. injuries. Is there mm-hmm. any reason for that that you know of?
2: Uh, I would say it was um, machetes and that type of thing. Warfare hand-to-hand combat type right, thing. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Of course they threw
1: bombs too. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Where was your base of operations when you were in the Pacific? Or did you stay mobile the whole time?
2: Mobile. Right on the ship. N- mm-hmm. Never went to no. Hawaii or came no. back? No, no, no.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. So you would stop at the islands, pick up pick up men. Now when you were going to drop them off for them to be transported home, where did you go for that? Did they get back on the barge and go back?
2: No, we could go into Clark Air Force Base. So you it was set up. Yeah, okay. that was a mm-hmm. long-standing base there. Okay. So you of you course, they, they had been, uh, you know, bombed. Right. And that, um, well, in fact, they had to rebuild it. And the airfield the air many times because right. the, the Japanese were always bombing. And the guerrilla warfare was tremendous.
1: Oh, no, in the Philippines.
2: Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Was your ship ever... You said you were boarded by the Japanese. Did they ever try to attack your ship at all?
2: No, no. Not they didn't. your ship? No, no, they didn't.
1: But, but the other ship, they did sink a ship. Yes, yeah,
2: yes, they did. Um, did you a know hospital anybody, ship.
1: Did you know anybody on board that no, ship? No,
2: I didn't know them.
1: Okay. And they weren't near you when this happened?
2: No. <laughs> but they were, they were in the New Guinea area when they were... Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. How many patients a day... When you're in the Pacific, do you think that you might have, you personally, had contact with?
2: Well, I'd say two or three hundred.
1: Two or three hundred a day? Yes,
2: absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you're a surgical nurse, what, what does that exactly mean, what does that entail?
2: Well, it entailed everything, everything, really, even though I was surgical. Right. I worked in the operating room. Okay. That's where it was. Okay,
1: but you did everything. Yes. Essentially. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. As the occasion was, we, we just did what we were supposed to do. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And then the corpsmen did. They kind of filled in yes. the kind of things that they could, that they didn't need a nurse for. That's right. They, they, they changed dressings right.
2: and, and that type of thing. Okay, mm-hmm. and they kind of mm-hmm.
1: okay. So two hundred men a day.
2: Absolutely. That you Absolutely. made contact with right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Out of those, how, how many would would need surgery, and how many were just most kind of, of them. Most of them did. Mm-hmm.
2: Even the burns. See, there's a lot of burns in the Pacific. We'd have to take them in and uh, clean them up, and Right. put vaseline, pressure bandages on, them, things like that, okay. under anesthetic. Right.
1: <laughs> no, that was different than the the European theater, correct? Right, completely. So you weren't you weren't near as busy in the European no, theater. No, no, no. Is there a reason? No.
2: Well, it had calmed down. The big you know surges were over when we got there. When you really, got there, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the tempo of the war was slowed right, slow down. Slow. Right. Right. But the Pacific, we were right into it. You were right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because mm-hmm. the
1: Pacific was… Right. They basically focus now shifts from the European theater right. to the Pacific theater right. and then you're right there when right. this is all happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's why, mm-hmm. I assume that's why things were different. That's right. The tempo was different mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The guys were getting transported that's right. via the
2: airplanes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Of course in Europe you had your tanks and everything else that, right. you know, would help a lot, so we didn't have that didn't <laughs> in the Pacific.
1: Were you married? You married no. all oh, no. family. You couldn't be. Y- you couldn't be.
2: Oh no, not the nurses, huh? Okay. If you were, you were shipped home. <laughs>
1: right. Were you able to, to maintain any contact with your family back home?
2: Uh we had limited mail service. Really. So it was all by mail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The destroyers are bringing it out.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. How often could you get letters out and get letters in?
2: That varied a lot. Right. I would say maybe every 3 or 4 weeks something like that right. that was all
1: did you ever have any downtime when you're on the ship So you said 2 or 3 pa- two, 200 patients a day That's
2: yes we did we did we usually work about 12 hours a day and sometimes it depend on the battle right. we would do more but um we had church services we as i said the chaplains mm-hmm. and that was a release and um when we come across the international date line, we'd have a party, of course. <laughs> right. So, certainly, yeah, the morale was good on the ship, really.
1: Okay. Even though you're dealing with the horrors of
2: right. the world right. war, right. you're getting... We were being fulfilled, knowing we did what right. we could do. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So, it's it's kind of all how you look at it. Right, right. How you right. cope with it mm-hmm. and things like that. Are there any incidents that stand out in your mind, either in Pacific or European theater, that that you remember more than others?
2: Well, I still go back to the Pacific. The, the uh, terrain over there, the atmosphere—it was so oppressive, and we could see, you know, civilians once in a while, so so poor, and um, that was very sad, really. So, and like we'd go past the Rock of Gibraltar and we'd wonder the strongholds that we had, America. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did a lot of thinking. Right.
1: So there's nothing that really stands out, it's just, as far as incidents you had on the ship or? It was just the bombings, the
2: bombings that was very hard to deal with. Right. Yeah. Air, we had a lot of Air Force um, activity in the Pacific, much more so than in when we were in Europe. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. We had good food, let me put it that way. Good food. <laughs> yeah, the Navy would bring us a lot of good food. <laughs> oh, the Navy would. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you got to leave it to the Navy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now,
1: you were on two ships. Am I, am one I, ship. Just the one ship. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the Emily Weeder. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. That was my home for three years. Okay.
1: Um. Now, did you guys pretty? Did you guys know in advance when a battle was going to occur? No. And you would head that way. No. Or were you no. You called after the fact. After. After. So they
2: said there's mm-hmm. a battle and wherever, yep. and then mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. need you guys to mm-hmm, head that mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the um, man that really ran our ship, he was a Swede and he was very good, but he was very knowledgeable too, and into mm. the uh, throes of the war, so we would know after. We didn't even know the war was over for a while. Oh, you didn't? mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Well, how did you find out that the war was finally over? Well, it
2: was, they finally communicated to us through the ships and, and the um, radio. Okay. Mm-hmm. But at the time, we didn't, we were busy. Right. Mm-hmm. How
1: How long, how long do you think it was after the war was over that you finally found out about it? Was
2: it I would say it was a week or two. A week
1: or two? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing for that week or two? Were you still busy? You oh, yes. Patients? Oh, yes. Yeah.
2: We never stopped till never we got, stopped. never stopped till we got the boys home. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Now, how long were you in the Pacific?
2: Uh, a little over two years.
1: Two years? Mm-hmm. And how long were you in the European theater before you came back home?
2: Just three or four months. Three or four months. Mm-hmm. Okay, so… We came ago. back into um, L.A. You came
0: back,
1: okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you remember that, the homecoming when you were fall, oh, falling life. over and you come? Yes, back? Yes,
2: yes, yes, yes. Can you describe? <laughs> the bands. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, all that meeting us. Right. Put us on a, a train. We set on our suitcases to get back home. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So you 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 came into L.A. Yeah, you got on a train and then you 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 went home. Mm-hmm. What was that like getting home finally?
2: Oh, wonderful, but sad. Yeah, to think of those that we couldn't bring back—that was my biggest heartache. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. How do you think that your your wartime experience has has affected you when you look back on it now?
2: Um. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It matured me, gave me values that I probably wouldn't have had. And um, work ethics, patience, (laughs) did a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: It's safe to say that you you saw more in that short period of time than you've seen since? Yes, absolutely,
2: absolutely. Mm
1: -hmm. And it made you, you, now you continued nursing after oh yes court, right? yes oh yes um, mm-hmm. it made you a better nurse to experience what oh absolutely you
2: experience there? but also a little impatient with <laughs> the um routines of right. of the hospitals when we knew what we had to do we could do it and we had a lot less infections and lost less people because of our techniques right mm-hmm
1: this is on the ship?
2: Yes, on the ship.
1: Mm -hmm. We're going to record this and this is going to be, we're preserving your story for others in the future to see it. Um, Is there anything you want them to know about not only your service but your your country's service during that period of time? Anyone that might be watching this video in 50 or 60 years?
2: I'd say just be so grateful we are in America preserve it, stand for the truths that she stands for, and fight for them. Mm
1: -hmm. How how do you think people have changed, you know, it seems to me, looking back on that, I I didn't live through it, but I've read about it Mm at that time, that everybody was focused on the war, even if they weren't actively engaged in it.
2: It united our, our country, it really did. And now we're so devised, that's sad.
1: Do you Have any thoughts on why that is? Why things are so much different now? I mean, we're in we're in a war now than you know for the last several years. We
2: we are a gimme nation anymore, <clears throat> and um, people just looking out for themselves. <clears throat> Where before, you know, the people that stayed home during World War II. I mean, my parents <clears throat> they were very involved, right. sending them um, magazines and in <clears throat> war efforts, money, and things. We don't have that commitment today, we really don't.
1: <clears throat> Is there anything else that you want to document about your wartime experience that we haven't talked about? Any other memories that you have that that we didn't talk about? or
2: Well, after the war, our unit kept in touch with one another quite a bit. Okay. <clears throat> I would say the last ten years we've just dissolved. So many have died. Right. But that was a good thing. We stayed together. And we can talk to one another. I'm very involved in um, uh, honor flights now, mm-hmm. <coughs> and that's a great, great service too. Right. So um, I'm going to keep on plugging as long right. as I can. Right.
1: <laughs> what, what unit were you with? Do you recall the name, the name of the unit, or the, the designation?
2: The unit was a Emily Weider Hospital Ship. Just Emily Weider. Mm-hmm. Didn't mm-hmm. have a unit number. Or anything. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and you say you have kept in touch with it, or at least had oh, yes. for many oh, years. Yes. Mm-hmm. With all those people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, real quick on back a little bit. That hospital ship was built specifically to be a hospital ship. Is that correct? No. Or was it retrofitted from something else?
2: Well, no, it was used for mail service when she was first built. Okay. And then they converted her so it to be a ship a, yeah. that they converted mm-hmm. over. mm-hmm.
1: All right. Well, on behalf of the Americans in Wartime Museum, I want to thank you very much for your service. And I want to thank you very much for taking the time to, to talk to us today. Love it. Very nice, sorry. Thank, thank you very much, ma'am. Okay. okay. Cool. I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you'd like to find out more about the Voices of Freedom Project and the Americans in Wartime experience, or if you'd like to donate, please visit our website at www.americansinwartime.org. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast.